Before this video starts, there is a trigger warning for people who are sensitive to suicide. This story includes talk of it and contemplation, and almost completing it too. So if you are triggered by that kind of material, please don't watch this video. Thank you. This is a true account of a life-destroying peyote trip. I've given as much detail as I am comfortable with and retold the story with the best accuracy possible. I've been going to Native American peyote ceremonies for a few years. At first, I only went once or twice a year, but last year, I became very active in the Native American church. I do not write this to condemn participants of the Native American church, but to forewarn others that their belief that peyote is 100% safe is completely untrue. I have used many drugs over the years and never had a bad trip before this. Before I continue with the story of the peyote trip that ruined my life, I must mention that two or three days before I took the peyote, I had candy flipped, shrooms and MDMA, which I have done plenty of times without any adverse reaction. This may or may not have contributed to the peyote trip, but regardless, after the candy flipping I was fine, until the peyote. So I go to a Native American church ceremony. These are all night events that end sometime in the morning the next day. Eat lots of peyote and have my usual peyote experience. Colors seem more vibrant. My senses are heightened. I feel very connected to the people around me. So far, so good. We complete the ceremony in the morning, and I am invited to another ceremony at a different location the next night. If only I had stopped there. I went to the peyote ceremony the next night, and everything seems fine. I drank a little peyote tea before we start. Then, during the ceremony, when the peyote comes around, my intuition told me to only take a little bit. So I eat one small fresh peyote button and one or two dried ones. The ceremony continues and the peyote begins to take effect. I did not realize it until after the fact, but I was hallucinating delusional scenarios and having visions. When the ceremony ends, I make a few strange phone calls. Then I drive home thinking nothing is unusual. I was feeling the peyote, but still functioning. Time passes, and it is nighttime. I realize that I need to go to the store. While in the local grocery, I begin to hear things. The store intercom seems to keep announcing my location. Aisle 7, Aisle 3, and other weird shit I can't remember. I get my items, and as I'm walking up to the cash register to pay, I hear a voice that says, Go ahead, you can just take it. Still not realizing I was delusional. I obey and walk out the door. I almost make it to my car when a store employee comes out after me. Hey stop! You didn't pay for that! I stop and give the items to the man. I say something to the effect of, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. I forgot to pay. The cops pull up as I'm giving the man back the items. By the grace of God, the man leaves and the cops just take off. I still don't know what the heck is going on, but my friend who drove me to the store freaks out. She knows I'm fucked up, and I tell her, 
I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. I was hearing voices. We get back to her place and she calls the cops. The cops come and I begin having visions. The head of an Egyptian sarcophagus is stuck above my vision. I see a little black man walking around out of the corner of my eye and I turn my head. The little man begins to grow and walks up to one of the cops. The cop turns into the Grim Reaper, complete with a scythe and everything. The cops can't get me for anything except that I was talking to myself, so they take me home. When I get home, I go straight to my room without even saying hi to my roommate. This is when I really lost control. I put some music on and I basically black out. The next thing I know, there's stuff written all over my walls. Satan, Schizo, Hitler, Names of God, Pentagrams, Upside Down Crucifixes, and a depiction of the 9-11 Massacre. I wrote all of it, but don't know why. I don't know what got me started. It was like a dream. The next thing I know, the cops are at my house. Apparently, my roommate had called them because of my erratic behavior. They get there, and I'm just standing at the door of my destroyed room, smoking a cigarette like it's no big deal. They look around a bit, but don't search the room. Thank God, because there's a bag of peyote in there that I took from the ceremony, which would have been bad. They bring me downstairs and have me sit down for a little while. I say some crazy things about the Earth being a self-reflecting planet, and they tell me to just be quiet. Though I'm clearly talking crazy, all they really had on me was writing on my walls with permanent marker, and I'm not violent or making threats, so they don't take me in. They give my roommate their card and leave. Days go by, and I'm stuck in psychosis. I have complete visuals, auditory hallucinations, and experiencing alternate realities. I also begin destroying things, First, I destroy my phone, then the heaters in my room and my guitar. I walk around the city, completely delusional. My roommate basically just avoids me. He never once tries to convince me to go to the hospital or seek help. A friend of mine comes to visit. He tells me later that he thought he had completely lost me, but still, he doesn't offer to take me to the hospital or tell me I need to get some help or make any serious effort to actually address the issue. I am psychotic for about eight days before my roommate contacts my mom. She comes three days later. Her and my friend and my roommate take me out to dinner, then take me home. I am still psychotic. The next night, my roommate and my mom offer to take me out to dinner again, so we go. After dinner, they take me to a hospital without telling me where we're going. When I see it's a hospital, I almost jump out of the car and run, but with fear that they would send the cops after me, I reluctantly go with them. They quickly bring me into a waiting room and try to draw my blood. I refuse. After I refuse multiple times, they grab me and bring me into a room with a table with just straps on it. Then they strap me down. This is the scariest thing I have ever experienced. I fear they're going to kill me. An angel of a nurse named Paige holds my hand for a while. 
which is the only thing comforting me through the whole experience. I yell at them to let me out for a while, but eventually give up. After a very long time, someone finally comes in and begins to remove the restraints. Finally, they let me get up and walk out of the room. When I got out of the room, I yelled at all the fucking doctors and nurses staring at me, probably like 30 of them. So to my horror, they grabbed my ass and strapped me to the table again. I lay on the table, expecting death, and I just closed my eyes and give up. From that point on, I have no memory for the next week and a half, except being very mad at my mom because she keeps visiting me in the hospital and angering me. I asked the hospital not to allow her to visit me anymore, but they refuse. My mom calls a court investigator and gets legal guardianship of me while I'm in the mental hospital. I forgot what it was like to be out of the hospital. It was so horrific to be locked up in there and you don't know why. And the asshole doctors just keep telling you you're not ready to leave yet, but won't explain why. They tell me that the only way they'll release me from the hospital is if I go back and live with my mom, 3,000 miles across the country, and away from my 9-month-old daughter who was with her mom while all this happened. They give me no other options. There is a rehabilitation facility for people with mental problems in the city I was living in, where you live in a locked facility and slowly earn your rights back by not acting crazy. But the doctors do not give me this option. They say the only way I'll be released is if I fly across the country away from my daughter and away from my whole world and everything I care about. They tell me that if I'm released with my mom and I try to run away, they will call the sheriff on me. So basically, I have to go live somewhere with someone I hate, and if I don't stay at her house and follow all of her rules, they call the cops. So after over three weeks in the hospital, I am released on the condition that I have to move away and do everything my mom says, or they'll put me in jail. I am ready to die because I miss my daughter so much after three weeks of being away from her. I am released. The next day, I go to my old apartment. Everything has been moved out of my room. We put it all in a storage unit and paint the room. My insurance will no longer cover me, so my mom makes me get rid of my car. And because she has been granted legal guardianship, I can't do anything about it. I fly back to my mom's house with her. My mom doesn't let me leave the house. She does not let me contact my old friends. She doesn't let me sign on the computer or chat with friends online or anything. She will not let me look for a job. She won't let me go to the bar or have a drink. She tells me she intends to search any friends that come visit me for drugs and says if they are allowed to come over, she will be present at all times. Taking a parent from their child is cruel and an unusual punishment. After about a month of increasingly deepening depression, I begin to talk about wanting to kill myself a lot. My mom takes me to the doctor and they give me Prozac under the condition that I go to their psychiatrist next week. I go to the psychiatrist and admit that I had thoughts of suicide. He has my mom take me to the emergency room and they ask me, are you okay spending a couple days on the psychiatric unit so that we can adjust your medication? 
I agree, only because they promised me it will only be for a couple of days. I really thought maybe they would help me, like I'd get counseling or intelligent help while I was there. I end up locked in a state facility where they don't do shit for you, just feed you and give you meds. They don't do shit to help you when you need it. After being in the loony pen for a couple of days, I'm allowed to speak to someone working at the hospital that's not a doctor. She tells me I could sign a waiver so they have to release me in five days, so I sign it. Being in the hospital didn't help me at all. They prescribed me lithium and said I was bipolar, which I totally am not and I leave, pretending not to be suicidal anymore. I am still as suicidal as ever, and being in the hospital didn't help me at all. But I got out in a relatively short period of time, so I guess that's not all bad. I go to psychiatrists, get on a bunch of antidepressants, and it doesn't do shit for me, for months. The whole time, the reason I'm depressed is because I can't be with my little daughter, who is everything in the world to me. For months, all I do is search for a job and try to kill myself. It's much harder to kill yourself than it would seem. I guess I'm just a pussy for pain. Eventually, I found work and was able to save up enough to move back to my daughter, but I still missed about seven months of her life, time that I could never get back. God, it was torture. It was fucking traumatizing. So anyway, all this shit happened because of a little peyote. Don't let them tell you that peyote is good for you or safe. I am living proof that it can destroy you mentally, ruin your life, and make you want to kill yourself. The Native American church is based on the belief that peyote is divine and completely good for you, will cure any disease, and cannot possibly do any harm to you. This isn't true. It's fucked up. It's a miracle I didn't kill myself or go to jail, or hurt somebody, or crash my car, or who knows what else. The Native American church isn't evil either, it is just misinformed. Peyote has very negative potential, and has been the most detrimental drug I have ever taken. Fuck, if you need a trip, fucking take shrooms or something, they feel a lot better than peyote anyway. I hope this story helps anyone interested in peyote to see that it's not a good idea. And if you ever do take it, never take it multiple days in a row. I do think that's what fucked me over. In 2014, I was much younger and much dumber. I had only ever smoked some green when I got interested in LSD pretty quickly and saw mostly good tales about it online. I eventually found someone in my school who said they could get it. I ended up trading some Vyvanse pills I was prescribed at the time and took daily for four tabs of what I was told was LSD. It actually turned out to be, most likely, some derivative of NBOME. I took this stuff twice. The first time was a test trip. I believe I had taken Vyvanse like I normally would in the morning, then as it started to get dark, I took a single paper tab. I was not really alone, as I had an internet friend who could help me on a video call for most of the experience, acting as a trip sitter that wasn't physically there. The first trip seemed mind-blowing. 
of course for a first-timer, but also uneventful and somewhat what I was anticipating. The walls melted and shifted. I experienced infinity and some loops, but it was all fairly pleasant until the sun came up and so did the come down. I was kind of worried I would be in a trippy state forever now and I just wanted it to end as the come down was extremely slow and I kept feeling like it was coming back. I skipped sleep until the next night and then I was fine after that. About a month later, I convinced a friend to take some with me. I took Vyvanse in the early afternoon. The thought behind doing this was that the ADHD medication was going to keep me fully awake until we were ready to drop the tabs as the night started. I planned on taking two tabs this time, which would end up being the biggest mistake of my life. My buddy took one hit and I took two as the sun was going down. We sat by my computer watching music videos waiting for the come up. It was only about 30 minutes before I got this tinge of anxiety and nervousness, but I tried to forget about it and focused on having a good time with my friend. I couldn't forget about it. It kept coming back in waves, harsher every single time. The next 20 minutes, I was stuck in my head, worried about this anxiety I couldn't get rid of, but not worried enough to speak up. Meanwhile, the feeling was just getting more intense and slowly turned into dread. I could see a darkness in my peripherals and it felt like it was trying to encroach on me. All I felt was pure dread and fear, but I truly knew something was wrong when I tried to scream because this feeling suddenly became way too intense. I heard myself scream before I thought to do it. In a distorted wave, the scream seemed to happen several moments before I actually did it, like the action was bubbling up through the universe before it manifested in reality. And when it finally hit the physical world, it felt like a ghostly semi-truck passed through the room, but hit me. This knocked me out of the weird stuck-in-my-head feeling, and I stood up and said with the most dire tone I could muster to my friend, This isn't right. I really don't feel good right now. At this point, my friend was not having the same experience, so he did not fully understand. He said, Bro, what the hell? Calm down. It's alright. But in that exact moment, it was most certainly not alright, because as soon as he said that, all of reality was swept away from me. From this point on, any recollection of reality has been told to me afterwards and has been filled into the spaces I believe it goes. I was in another world for this ride and I have been informed that after this point, I was in full manic mode in the physical world, running, thrashing around, yelling, saying things I would never say in my waking life. In a single moment, I lost all sense of my physical body. It felt as if I was liquid, being blended and shredded while flying through the void at a million miles per hour. It was dark. I only felt fear and confusion and a sense of not knowing anything, not even myself. During this first part, every once in a while, my consciousness would piece itself together for just a moment, just long enough for me to assess what was going on and think a sentence before being ripped apart again. 
The first time, I thought, oh no, I messed up. Second time, I thought, oh wow, I'm dying for real. The third time, I thought, why would someone do this? Meaning, why would this chemical be produced and given to people? Then I thought, no matter what happens, I want to try to remember this. There are various other instances of this experience before the actual visuals set in. The first thing I saw was the profile of the face of what I can only describe as a gigantic cosmic entity. Its face repeated in a fractal that took up my entire visual field. It was looking directly at me with a single eye and all I could feel was hatred and malice coming from it. It had colors of red, black, and orange, gave off a vibe of war and burning flesh, and its visible features were very sharp and jagged. This entity made it very clear it wanted to cause harm before doing the soul shredder thing again for what felt like eternity, when eventually I felt a shift in the experience. Next thing I knew, it feels like I'm strapped in a minecart on a track that went straight up and down and it was speeding straight down. At the bottom, I saw the face again, but almost like a static 2D image. It was like I was speeding for a brick wall and we all know what happens if you hit a brick wall at high speed. At the very last moment, the cart flipped on the track to face up, but kept every bit of speed. At the top of the track, I saw a beautiful fractal in purple, blue, and white. As I got closer, I noticed that within each section of the fractal, I could see the physical world. As I got closer, I realized that each section of the fractal appeared to be the perspective of a living being. I remember getting lost in a few of the perspectives for a short time before being ripped away and right back into the minecart going down. This minecart experience felt like it went on forever. Suddenly, I see the blue fractal morph into its own cosmic entity similar to the red one. I find myself in a moment of peace and bliss. I feel like I am sitting in the hands of this being. I got the feeling these entities were fighting each other over my soul. This being is saying to me in the most calming voice, It's okay. I got you. I am then put down, alone in the void. I thought to myself in the void, this is it, I'm dead now. I felt like I was utterly alone. Crushing sadness came over me and I just wanted to cry. I remember rocking back and forth, alone in the void, for what felt like an eternity. I saw myself like an Ed Ed and Eddie character or a crudely made clay person. I thought to myself, this is pathetic, and screw this, I'm doing something else. The moment I thought that, I turned around, and the void was washed away by pure white and a rapidly expanding grid of shifting rainbow colors. Next thing I remember, it feels like I am flying, and it was the most awesome and incredible feeling. A feeling of true freedom, unmatched by anything else I have ever felt. Then, it happens. Suddenly, I can taste vomit and I am reminded that I am literally dying. My buddy told me later 
that when I collapsed, puking and seizing, he knew for sure he had to get legitimate help. Thank God he did at all. And I think that reality ties into this point in the experience. When I tasted vom when I tasted the vomit, a repeating pattern of my own face, puking out over and over again, stretched out forever with a red-orange color. This pattern morphed into a path on the ground that I found myself walking down. The whole tone of the trip changed here. Everything suddenly became very calm and peaceful. Time was irrelevant at this point. I walked this path for a long time and just a single moment at the same time. Eventually, the path ended of what appeared to be a waterfall of pure black water. I estimated to be about 300 feet high and as far long in both directions as I could see and it was seemingly suspended by nothing. I stopped right at the edge and I barely touched it with the tips of my fingers. Instantly, my whole being was separated from the concept of form and separation, transported to what seemed like a void, but at the same time it was full and the potential was infinite. It was the most peaceful and calming experience, even after all that chaos and fear. There was no feeling of the physical body or the normal ticking away of the heart and mind. The moment I realized that this space reacts instantly and directly to your thoughts and state of mind, I was pulled back out to the path and the waterfall. I heard a female's voice. It said, This is your choice. Many people walk this path and there is nothing wrong with it. It is just another choice. I knew instantly that the choice was to rather live or to die. I only considered it for a split second when I said, and I quote, Nah, I got shit to do. I turned around and the path flipped to blue. I walked in this direction for an unknown amount of time when I came across a huge pure white orb floating just above the path and seemed to be at least 20 feet wide. I touched the orb and instantly merged with it. I felt like I dropped back into this dimension and became one with all things in this universe. Then, nothing. I was in a coma for multiple days, and I remember having dreams, but I can't remember anything about them. I woke up in the intensive care unit. Multiple doctors said they had no idea how I survived. I had extensive kidney damage and nerve damage in my legs. I had to relearn how to walk. My family and doctors thought it was an attempted suicide, but that's not really something I would do. I had a pretty good attitude about it. When they informed me I nearly died, my response was, sick, which didn't get the best response from the doctors who at the time I didn't know assumed it was a purposeful attempt to kill myself. I was on my feet within a week. The doctors said I'll never do sports and I had to go through physical therapy, but I was back on a skateboard within the next year. I was close to having to go on dialysis, but somehow managed to get better fast enough to avoid that. This experience definitely made me way more weary about what chemicals go into my body. Never underestimate a little tab of paper. It could easily be life-changing and not in a way you expect. 
I am glad to be here today. I hope someone can learn something from my experience. Every time I retell this story, it is impossible to get all the details, so if anyone has any questions, feel free to reply or DM me about it. Thank you for reading, and stay safe out there. I am not a user of these substances, however, my partner of one year is, was, an ex-junkie. He had been clean for the last 14 months. I use the term had because unfortunately, he used again and resulted in his death from an overdose, which caused a fatal brain aneurysm. I did not know about these substances until I came to this Arrowwood website. I am now much more informed than ever before and can recognize many of the symptoms described by other users and their experiences. I am not telling this story to condone or dissuade anyone from living their own lives in any manner in which they choose. I just want to share this as an example, warning, of what is possible. My darling partner, unbeknownst to me, had earlier in the morning injected himself with approximately 50 cc of meth. This info was verified by a friend who had been involved. Later that evening, we journeyed out of town to visit some of his friends. I am assuming that he connected while gone to the grocery store for cigarettes. And when he returned, we left to go out to grab a bite to eat. While awaiting the arrival of our meal, my darling and one of his friends went into the restroom and fixed approximately 30 cc of heroin. I do not know how much of this mixture was water and how much of it was heroin. I only know that a second syringe was found containing 30 cc of mixture later in his boot while we were at the ER. About five minutes after returning to our table in the restaurant, my honey looked at me, winked one eye, smiled, and then proceeded to nod out over the table. I was panic-stricken, and when I raised his head up off of the table, I noticed that his lips were blue. I immediately wanted to call 911, but his friend refused to do so or allowed me to do so. I, in the meantime, was busy blowing air into my sweetheart's mouth with all of my strength, trying to get him to start breathing in a regular pattern. I had felt for a heartbeat, and thank God he had a strong one at that point in time. His friend then dragged my darling out into the car that we had arrived in, and his friend began to vomit all over the place. At that point, I knew something was definitely not right and begged my friends to please call an ambulance or someone. They again refused, and I know that it was because illegal drugs had been involved and they were all afraid. For several miles while driving down the highway, I continued to check my partner's breathing and heartbeat patterns for signs of change. We had traveled perhaps 10 miles when I noticed his breathing had ceased and his heartbeat was very weak and erratic. I screamed for his friends to stop the car, and that was it. I was going to call 911 whether they liked it or not. I kicked open the back door of the car and pulled my sweetheart out into the parking lot of a gas station, which was not an easy thing to do considering I only weigh 120 pounds. 
and proceeded to strip off his shirt and boots so that I could begin CPR more properly. On and off during the procedure, my partner kept vomiting, and so I kept having to stop the CPR to roll him over onto his side so that he did not choke on any of the vomit. It was an agonizing time while waiting the arrival of the ambulance. I kept alternating between screaming out to God to save him and trying desperately to perform CPR correctly. By the time they did arrive, my darling was not breathing on his own and his lips and hands were turning the most frightening color of pale blue. The trip to the hospital was sheer agony for me knowing that things were not going very well at all in the back of that ambulance. By the time we arrived at the ER, my darling was still not breathing on his own. By the way, the paramedics had administered two doses of Narcan to reverse the OD of the heroin. Always be honest with the medical personnel at this point, it could save a loved one's life. It didn't look like he was going to make it out of that ER alive. 45 minutes after arriving at the ER, the doctor had the unfortunate task of informing me that my loved one had in fact suffered a fatal brain aneurysm from the drug overdose and was too damaged to undergo any kind of corrective surgery. In addition, after a CAT scan and MRI were performed, I was told that there was no brain activity left at all. My darling sweetheart was transferred to a CCU bed and kept on life support and medications throughout the night. It was the worst experience of my life. He had no other bodily functions except for a heartbeat. His brain began to swell as a result of the aneurysm and body fluids began to leak out from every orifice. It was a losing battle to keep the fluids suctioned up from his precious body. By 10 o'clock the next morning, we knew that it was time to make a decision. One that will haunt me for the rest of my life. The love of my life, my soulmate, essentially was gone from me. Only a weak heartbeat remained. The ventilators and tubes were all removed from him and I was allowed to hold him in my arms until his heart stopped beating. I continued to hold him until his body grew cold and his face and hands turned stiff and dusky blue. We had only begun a new life together, and now he was gone forever. All of our plans and dreams were gone without warning. I didn't even get a chance to tell him goodbye or that I loved him, because he never regained consciousness after he first nodded out at the restaurant. It has only been two weeks since my soulmate departed from this world, and this is the first time I have told this story to anyone. All I can say is, please be careful of you are using, and think of the people around you who love you and care for you. My darling lost his battle with addiction in the most horrible of ways, and I am left alone in the darkness without my shining light. One lonely night, I went to go do some LSD, but to my disappointment, I had no more left. I was really itching to do some form of drug, 
and I have already done things such as air dusters and other inhalants, but never propane. So my dumb 15-year-old self went fuck it, and I began to inhale. Times may be a little off because of the intensity of the trip. 1am. I took my first hit and used conventional means of inhalants. I inhaled for about 15 seconds and held my breath for 30. Usually in my past things like air dusters hit you really fast with this euphoric warmth, but this wasn't the case here. Confused, I took another hit once again, breathing in for 15 seconds and holding my breath for 30, and all I received was a light buzz. 1.02 AM I was laying on my side with one earbud in, listening to Drug Dealer by Macklemore. Suddenly, a terrifying tiny creature with no eyes, resembling a tooth fairy from Hellboy, crawls up my body, grabs my other headphone, and puts it into my ear while singing in an audible lullaby to me. Terrified, I peek over my blanket to see where it had gone, and there are hundreds of them on my ceiling. When they realized that I saw them, they were quite unhappy, or should I say, absolutely fucking pissed. They decided to attack me, and this is the first time I had ever had a hallucination that could actually hurt me. This was traumatizing to me, because I once had a bad trip in acid where a clown with a knife stabbed me, and it didn't hurt, so the fact that this did, almost brought me to tears. They swarmed me, clawing at my back and arms, and with every scratch, I felt their talons sinking into my flesh. I was able to wrap myself in my large blanket, which could somehow keep them out, and all they could do was tap on it. Suddenly, I felt a change in texture on my blanket. It was smoother, but with moving it across every foot or so, it would poke me. I decided to turn on the flashlight to my phone, and what I saw freaked me out. My blanket had turned into human skin, stitched together with teeth sticking out of it, and at that point, I was done. I threw off my blanket, ran into the bathroom, and stared into my reflection, watching it shift into some of the most terrifying things I have ever seen. At this point, I just decided to take whatever the trip threw at me. The scariest part by far was when I was looking into the reflection of the mirror. A decomposing human appeared and just grabbed my neck pulled me to the ground, and started to choke me. I felt like this went on forever, until it just stopped. I looked around, and nothing was happening, and I crawled into my empty tub and started to cry. I wasn't only crying because of how scared I was, but also because of how happy I was that it was over. I have never read a story like this, and didn't even know something of this magnitude was even possible by simply huffing propane. To this day, I still have flashbacks of the terror, and now, I currently live with PTSD. But on the bright side, if you can even call it that, I always used to be a scared little bitch about everything, and wouldn't even want to see horror movies. Now, nothing scares me, simply because nothing can compare to the hellish night. following story happened yesterday 
and I still feel the after effects as I write this. I'm a 17-year-old girl who drinks occasionally, and I used to smoke Mersh every few days during the summer before school. Our school does random drug testing, so I decided to stay clean for the sake of graduating. Well, last night, I went over to an old guy friend's house with one of my girlfriends. This guy's friend was sitting on the bed smoking a joint, and he offered us a hit, and my girlfriend declined. But I thought, what the hell? I'm graduating in three months, my boyfriend of two years just broke up with me, and I'm really stressed out. My friend said it wasn't a good idea, but she let me make one of the biggest mistakes of my life. The guy had told me it was chronic. I've never smoked it before, but my friends have, so I didn't think it would be much different. Right after I took the first hit, I coughed for about five minutes straight. It was a nasty cough too, and it hurt my chest. I was offered another hit, but declined because I was coughing, or else I would have gone for it. Everything was going fine afterwards, and I figured it would hit me later, and I would feel as if I was smoking Mersh and drinking vodka. Well, probably about 15 minutes later, it hit me. It totally caught me off guard. Everything I saw slowed down, but time sped up. What felt like five minutes was really just a minute. I started getting antsy and I would pick at my sweatshirt and twitch constantly. I tried to be casual about it and I told them it was strong and asked what was in it. The guy told me that it was laced with PCP. Right then and there, I flipped out and got 10 times more anxious than I was before. They told me it was going to be fine and that it would wear off in 30 minutes. One of the guys gave me food to help me come down off of it, but it was only getting worse. I took the hit at about 11pm and had to be home by 12. So we left around 11.30 and I had to be walked to the car. It was cold outside, but I couldn't feel the temperature. It felt like room temperature. I was doing okay in the car, still seeing things slowly, but I was thinking it was wearing off. I was very wrong. Being in a car only made it worse, and I couldn't feel anything when my friend was driving, so I told her to hold my hand so I know I'm still alive. Never taking hard drugs before, I really thought I was going to die. Sometimes I'd get really antsy, then other times I would just have a blank stare at the road. All of the moving must have had a weird effect on me because I started shaking violently and I felt myself slipping away from reality. I thought I was having a seizure, so my friend pulled over and it didn't take me too long to calm down. From there on, I closed my eyes and my friend had to squeeze my hand because I couldn't feel myself anymore. When I got home, she walked me to my room because I was very dizzy and it was hard looking at things without getting freaked out. As I was laying down in my bed, I tried to sleep, but couldn't. I was really nervous, and then that's when things got weird. I was once again slipping away from reality, but I didn't feel any part of my body whatsoever. I was having some weird out-of-body experience, and I felt like I was floating above myself, watching myself lay there motionless. This went on for quite a while. I would slip back and forth into reality, and I noticed it was wearing off. 
Each episode of unconsciousness became shorter, so I tried to enjoy it, but I was still very anxious. I was still tweaking, unable to get any sleep. It finally ended, just like it started, at about 2.30 a.m. It happened very suddenly, and I felt like I fell out of the sky or something. I couldn't get over how disturbing of an experience that was. Today has been weird. I am still twitching, and I sometimes will feel my muscles tense up randomly. My vision is a little off, close to tunnel vision. I also have been yelling at my mom every time I talk to her, and sometimes I will get randomly confused. That is definitely one experience I will never ever relive again. I had just got my hands on ketamine for the first time. After a few ketamine hazes, I decided that ketamine was one of my favorite drugs. That is, until the day I OD'd on it. Monday afternoon began with a good friend of mine coming over to do some acid. I took two hits and he took one around 11.30. Shortly after, I brought out the K and thought to myself, I want to get really high. So I poured out a large dose, the largest I have done so far, onto my table to snort. I snorted two-thirds of it and stopped to take a rest. At this point, my friend thought I had left a third for him, so he took the rest of my dose. I didn't mind, as I had taken a lot anyway. We had a really fun, relaxing trip for six hours. By this point, we have smoked a few joints and done a few whippets of nitrous. I'd also eaten a lot of sugar and drank a lot of water. At around 6 p.m., I was sitting in my sofa when I stood up to get something. As soon as I stood up, my whole body went numb and I just dropped back onto the sofa. I couldn't move because I could barely stay conscious and this made breathing difficult as well. I shouted to my friend, Call the fucking ambulance now! Because I knew something had gone horribly wrong. I was buzzing like never before, my whole body. My senses of my physical body were jumbled, so I couldn't make out where my arms or legs were. I couldn't feel anything. At this point, I was taking very deep and fast breaths in a panic. After around five minutes of this, I started feeling normal again, so I kept reassuring myself not to panic. At this point, my mouth was very dry, so I stood up and drank some water. As soon as the water went down my throat, my heart started beating extremely fast. My friend then told me that I shouldn't eat or drink anything from the other room as he was on the phone speaking with the 999 operator. What a bad timing. Why couldn't he have told me that one minute before? I dropped back down on the sofa and looked down at my hands. To my horror, all the muscles in my body had tightened. Speaking was hard now as my mouth wouldn't allow me to talk properly. By this point, I really started freaking out as I had lost all my senses in my body. My muscles were all tightened, my heart was beating abnormally fast, and my body was buzzing like mad. By around 6.30pm, I was convinced that my body would not be able to survive the shock of excessive drugs, sugar, and water. I get the horrible feeling that I am seconds away from death. 
What's even worse is the overwhelming buzzing of my body got worse and breathing became even more difficult. I knew my friend was qualified in first aid and CPR. I remember telling him something along the lines of, you know CPR, just keep me alive. I was begging God, wishing not to die, not at the age of 19, not from a drug overdose. And here I am, my body buzzing more and more by the second. I am getting worse. I am going to die. Being on LSD at the time definitely didn't help. It made all these negative feelings extremely negative, and when I would say to myself, I'm going to die, my heart would start beating really fast. A horrible feeling of adrenaline kicks in as I take deep breaths, sitting absolutely still and praying. The first people to reach my house were the police. Now instead of checking my vitals and trying to keep me alive, they start asking my name, date of birth, and all the useless shit you can't afford to waste your time on when you're minutes away from death. In a moment of anger, I shout, What the fuck is the point when I'm about to die? They then ask me why I took all these drugs. Sitting there, helpless, completely crippled, and caught off guard, I just stare at the police officer. There is a moment of silence where I'm judged by all these people, which makes me feel really bad. The ambulance arrives and the paramedics come. After telling them what had happened, they tell me I need to walk into the ambulance. I manage to stand up with the help of two people. Completely disoriented, I step outside my house and into the back of the ambulance. My vision is so fucked, I can't see anything beyond two meters. I also have double vision. The ambulance heads towards the hospital and by now, I've realized that my senses are getting worse and the buzzing is getting heavier as breathing becomes even harder. I kept asking the paramedic, who was reading some charts, totally uninterested in caring for me, if I was going to die. Those people didn't reassure me at all and at the time when negative thoughts would send my heart into a spasm or something, that was all I wanted to hear. I tell the paramedic that I may wet myself as I didn't know if I could hold it in. We're now in the hospital and on a bed when the doctor gives me two pills to swallow and takes some blood. I urinate 600 milliliters. That's nearly two full Coke cans of urine. My brother arrives and I feel really bad, barely aware of my body, let alone what's happening around me. He was very heartbroken and disappointed after he heard that I nearly died from a drug overdose. My brother doesn't do drugs and that made the whole situation even more awkward. The buzzing throughout my body kept getting worse and now my double vision only enabled me to see about one meter in front of me, but it was too much effort even keeping them open. In my disoriented state, I mumbled, Oh, what a haze. Everything felt like a dream. Blood results came back clean and I stayed in the hospital for a few hours, just basically waited the trip out. I've decided that, even though ketamine is one of my favorite drugs, I won't be touching it anymore because the margin for error is just too great. Also, during the times where I convinced myself I was about to die, all I could hear in the back of my head was the sweet melodic guitar riff from Intention on Tool's 10,000 Days album. That song now has a great meaning to me.
Ah, computer duster. Is there a more vile inhalant out there? I am a 19-year-old with a rather dedicated drug-using hobby. I usually enjoy all types of drugs and have tried many. Apart from habitually weed smoking, I've dipped into opiates maybe a half a dozen times, tripped off a DXM for solid months, eaten large quantities of Benadryl, and delved into the world of tryptamines. I can basically hold my brain together, more or less, while high. When I saw you can get high off of computer duster, I was instantly intrigued. The taste was sweet, the lungs felt cool for a second, and then numb. I held my breath for a good 10 seconds before the buzz from hell came on. Massive tinnitus struck me as my thoughts increasingly break to a halt. I exhaled 45 seconds later and my breath felt funny, almost like my lungs were a bottle of nail polish remover. The buzz just kept hitting harder until about a minute in where things plateaued for a little bit. The space I was trapped in went by like hours. I thought I was dead. I felt like I was one with the universe, but in a bad way, very sinister. I was an insignificant speck that was doomed to view the universe from afar for eons until everything implodes on itself, at which point there will be blackness, but still a conscious mind. When I mentally hit the blackness, I kept counting to three and beat with my tinnitus and feeling doomed because the universal language of math was stunted at three and therefore reality was put into suspended animation. I felt out of phase, almost like my soul was escaping, but the grip of life was just too strong. After coming down, all I thought about was how interestingly weird the whole thing was. So I thought another hit wouldn't hurt Another huge hit. Big mistake. Back into the void I leaped. Scared and far from my home, I vowed to never touch this gas again. It made me sick afterwards and the symptoms after contemplation felt inseparable from nerve damage. I felt dazed, like when you get punched in the head real hard. That's the best way I could explain head buzz during the come up and the come down. The plateau is being knocked unconscious. These inhalants suck. The interesting thought pattern and insights were abolished and forgotten by what I felt as an overall toxicity. I honestly felt dead. Beware. So I've been smoking pretty heavily for the past five years. I like to consider myself a functional stoner. Yeah, I get high, but I'm pretty responsible and get all of my shit done. I just recently graduated college and was just taking a year off, working while applying to grad school. So I went out one night with a coworker to see a movie and go to some hookah lounge to chill. She had never tried weed before, so I offered to let her try some, and she said sure. I had a small one-hitter and a packet of some herbal spice blend that imitates cannabis. I would have gotten the real thing, but I didn't know the area well at all. So we both take a few hits before going to the movie. She said she didn't feel anything after hitting it a couple times. 
We went to go buy her tickets. We used one of those electronic ticket dispensers. I let her pick the movie, and she picked Love and Other Drugs. I went ahead and got my ticket and waited for her to get hers. She told me she didn't feel anything from the smoke, but she was acting funny on the ticket machine. It was a touchscreen, and she kept moving her finger around, watching the arrow follow. She did this for about three minutes. She wasn't really sure which buttons to press, so I went ahead and did it for her. When it came to swipe her credit card, it wouldn't work. There must have been something wrong with the card or something. So I offered to buy the tickets, if she gets the hookah later. So we got her tickets and go to the concession stand. I buy a bottle of water and she gets nachos. We go to the movie. It lasted about two hours. It was basically about some sales dude who reps for Viagra and Zoloft who falls in love with some Nympho Parkinson's chick. She was really hot, but the movie was just alright. I'd give it a 6 out of 10. So after the movie, we smoke a little in the car and then drive over to the hookah place and take a few more hits. We're parked behind the hookah bar and we can hear the loud techno music pretty well. So far, we've had a pretty good time just being our goofy selves. She's like dancing in her own world. So this is where the night turns. Out of nowhere, as if a switch was flipped, she starts freaking out. That song Black and Yellow was on, and it kept going, Black and Yellow, Black and Yellow, Black and Yellow, Black and Yellow. And some graffiti on the wall in front of us kept freaking her out. She kept saying that she was really scared and felt like she was falling. At this point, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I did not expect something like this to happen. I tried comforting her and kept trying to get her to calm down and breathe regularly. At this point, she basically curled up into a ball and kept talking about how scared of her parents she was. Then soon after, she totally lost me when she started speaking her native language, Arabic. I'm trying to calm her down in English and she's freaking out and praising Allah in Arabic. What the fuck am I even supposed to do here? So by now, I've decided it's probably not the best to take her inside to the hookah lounge because she's too fucked up. She's not even being herself at this point. Her entire demeanor and tone of voice has changed. It's like she was possessed or something. I can't even put it into words. She stepped outside of the car and started walking away. She got to the grass and started lying on the ground praying to Allah. There are people walking by asking us if everything is alright. I'm just like, yeah, everything's cool. She finally gets up and talks to me for a bit. She says she's not feeling well and that she wants to go home. I said I'd gladly take her back, but she's gonna have to get a hold of herself and cooperate with me on the drive back. So I finally get her into the car and she immediately passed out in the passenger seat. While driving, I forget to make a turn and end up in a really crowded downtown area where everyone is partying and the traffic is jammed up and I'm going like 5 miles an hour. I finally get out of the traffic and the moment I get on the highway, she starts to vomit. I seriously just got this new car yesterday. Luckily, I had a plastic bag up front and she threw up directly into that instead of all over my interior 
I stopped at the next exit and threw the vomit bag away and cleaned her up a bit. After that, we got back on the highway and I took her back to the parking lot where her car was. I knew I couldn't just leave her to drive, so I just sat in my car with her and waited until she woke up or started to feel better. I must have waited about 45 minutes in my car with her until she finally felt the need to vomit again. I managed to open her side of the car door and she vomited outside of it. I stepped outside and held her hair as she did this. This is all happening with another car full of passengers right next to us watching this all unfold. They ask if she's alright and I said she'll be fine, she just needs to vomit it up. Oh alright, just take care of her and take her home. And I said, trust me, I'm already on it. So now, she feels like going for a walk and she asked me to walk with her. We walk around the parking lot for a while, then to her car. She has been totally unresponsive to anything I've been saying since her initial freakout. She lies down on the back seat and I sit up front, just chilling till it feels better. I must have sat there like another 30 minutes until she finally said she felt good enough to go home. So I took her in my car and drove her home. We were like 50 feet away from her house when she had the urge to vomit again. So I opened the door again in the nick of time and waited for her to be done. Finally, I dropped her off at home and told her to get a good night's rest and that she'll feel back to normal tomorrow morning. After all of that, the night was finally over. Out of all the smoke sessions I've ever had in my life, this was probably the worst. I've never seen anyone freak out like she did. The entire time, I felt like God was testing me to see how I would respond to such an unexpected situation. No matter how bad she got, I always managed to keep my head above the water and take care of her the best way possible while keeping my brand new car from getting damaged. I've had some bad trips before too, but this was like straight out of a movie. I couldn't believe how badly she freaked out. I do take some responsibility for this, regardless if she kept wanting to try more. I should have realized that it was a lot for a person of her size. She didn't feel anything at all, then randomly she felt it all at once and it overwhelmed her. I've learned my lesson. But this is going to be kind of funny when I look back on this. I am a 33 year old female who is quite experienced with psychedelics. I really enjoy marijuana, LSD, mushrooms, ketamine, MDMA, 2CB, and combinations of the aforementioned substances. Prior to the experience I'm about to share, I had smoked DMT approximately 15 to 20 times, but usually out of a vape pen, which cuts me off before I can really get a blast off dose, if you will. Some of those trips were really cool, and some were scary, but never so frightening, it turned me away from my pursuit of crystal DMT. I spent years looking for it, and three weeks ago, I finally found it. My husband and I bought a gram and partook in a few small trips, working up the courage to take that blast off dose. The setup. 
Four days ago, at 3 p.m., we decided it was time to try to travel to another dimension and meet these entities we keep hearing about. I invited two of our friends over, K and P. We used our rig to dab the DMT. P went first and blew her 40 milligram hit out immediately through her nose. According to her, she had a fun experience in which she was still able to communicate with us. Kay went next and did a smaller dose and came back 10 minutes later sharing about all the amazing visuals she had seen and love she had felt. My husband decided to go last. So, finally, the moment I had waited for, it was my turn. My husband got the rig ready and poured in 40 milligrams of the Dimitri. I inhaled it all and laid back on the couch. Some grammatic song was playing, I cannot remember which. As I held in the smoke, I closed my eyes and began to see hazy, dull colors and patterns. I thought to myself, this isn't really working, and let the smoke out. I started to say to my husband I needed more, but I couldn't get it out. What happened next is a bit of a blur, but this is my best recollection. All of a sudden, bright neon elaborate patterns, spirals, and jester-like clown people filled my vision. I was already terrified and could not understand what was going on. It is difficult to find words in the English language to describe a true DMT trip, but this is the only way I can think to describe it. It felt like one of the jester creatures grabbed me from behind and then grabbed my upper lip, stretching and pulling it over my head, turning my face inside out. I found it very difficult to breathe. At this point, I was still laying down with my eyes closed. The jester then slammed me face first into the couch, then pulled me back up and tore both of my eyelids open, forcing me to take in the insane psychedelia. My husband and friends said that at one point, I bolted up to a sitting position with my eyes wide open, darting rapidly around the room. I think this coincides with the feeling of having my eyes torn open and being forced to watch this horror unfold. The words I was hearing in my head were, you think you can play with us, little bitch? I couldn't understand what was going on or what I had done to get treated like this. I don't even think I knew who I was, but I definitely knew something was horribly wrong. The next thing I remember, is feeling like this jester had stuck jagged plastic down my throat and I was choking to death. Outwardly, my husband and friends said that I had started gagging and this is when they became concerned. Looking back, I'm sure the taste of plastic and the harshness of the smoke is what led to this feeling. But when you are that high, you have zero ability to rationalize this. The gagging turned into me spitting all over the couch and my husband said it looked like I was about to throw up. Instead of throwing up, I tried to stand up and began crying out, HELP! over and over. The gesture continued to choke me and I felt like I was losing the battle. I started saying, I can't breathe! I can't breathe! Finally, the trip began to release its grip and I could hear voices that were familiar, but the most familiar voice I could finally hear was my own. I heard myself begging for help and asking how to breathe. My husband said I even said, help me you guys, and he said that I notified him that I was coming back 
because I had some concept that my loved ones were there. I slowly came out of it, and as I was coming back, that Jester character was surrounded by beautiful colors and patterns, and he was kind of dancing and smiling and laughing, saying, Come again, little girl. We'll be waiting. And other eerie stuff like that. When I finally completely came to, I saw three very scared people surrounding me, rubbing my back, telling me I was okay and that I was safe. I had no idea why they were telling me this and I turned to my husband and said, what's going on? What's happening to me? He replied, babe, you did DMT. I began to cry. The whole experience was only about five minutes, possibly less, which is short, even for DMT. It felt like a lifetime. The Aftermath It is four days later. The trip is very difficult to remember visually, but the feelings are not. I could still feel that jagged plastic in my throat. I'm assuming I must have burned it or something. I still feel sick to my stomach. I still feel anxiety and fear. I had to leave work early the other day and beg my husband to leave work too because I was anxious and scared and felt like the only safe place for me in this world was with him. I sincerely feel traumatized. The main entity I saw was mean. He was maniacal, taunting, violent, and aggressive. I feel like I'm on the verge of a panic attack writing this out. My takeaways. When I started this, I said I wanted to warn others, and I don't mean about the intense hallucinations or entities. I have heard of horrible trips, and I didn't know it was possible, even likely. I guess I didn't realize it could ever be that aggressive of a hallucination. But hey, it's DMT. Anything can happen when you enter that realm. I was in that entity's world, and it had its way with me. What I really want people to be mindful of is that DMT can be physically dangerous. I always heard things like, you're so high you can't keep your eyes open and you can't move, you just lay there. Well newsflash, I did both and I could have hurt myself trying to stand up like that if my friends and husband had not been there. I didn't read about people almost choking or throwing up until I started to research it after my experience. And even then, there's not a lot of information on this side effect. Perhaps because it doesn't happen often, but it can happen. I would have a sitter, someone who can help you get sat back down or throw up safely. I won't ever touch this substance again, and I probably won't consume any form of psychedelic until I am able to integrate this experience 